you ever wanted to know the secrets to successfully juggling the demands of building a business and marriage and raising a family? If so, then this podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Monica Tanner, a wife, mama to four kids, and a relationship and intimacy expert. My mission is to ensure that passionate entrepreneurs like you never have to choose between your dedication to your family and your passion for your message. Having it all is absolutely possible. Welcome to On the Brighter Side, Marriage for Entrepreneurs. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to On the Brighter Side, Marriage for Entrepreneurs. I am so excited about my guests today. Tammy is a dear friend of mine. We got to speak together at a speaking engagement, and we have been really good buddies on social media ever since. Her content is freaking amazing, and I can't wait to share her and her husband, Jeff, with you today. Tammy Hill is a licensed marriage and family therapist, sex therapist, and professor for the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. She teaches marriage preparation, marriage enhancement, and healthy sexuality in marriage courses. She also has a podcast, and I forgot to ask what Jeff does, but I'm sure they will introduce themselves. Let's start by having you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family. Okay. My podcast is called the Live Your Why podcast, and everything I do and is that you need to know what you're about. And once you're clearly understanding what you're going to stand for, then you can move forward with confidence that you're living aligned with who you want to be. And so, Jeff, I'll let you introduce yourself, okay? okay? My name, claim to fame, is I'm Tammy's husband. (laughs) (laughs) But I am a professor in the School of Family Life. I teach courses in family finance. And so my mission is to help couples to really magnify their financial stewardship and use money that will build their relationship instead of cause conflict. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, marriages, the two big problems are sex and money. And so we've got you covered. (laughs) Amazing. Well, tell us a little bit about how you met and blended your families together and what that's been like. We met, and we won't tell you the long story because we want to get through the podcast, but I was a widow for five years and I would read the Enzyme at night and I happened to read an Enzyme article written by this guy. And I sent an edit comment into the editor of the Enzyme, thanking them for his article, not knowing he would reach out. The editor forwarded it to Jeff. And then Jeff emailed me, and that is how we met. And And it was very providential. It was just at the time when I was the most discouraged, and it was just really an amazing gift that Tammy was able to come into my life. Jeff has eight children. I have four. And so the two of us brought together a family of 12 children. When we were first married, nine children were living at home. And in May... So two months ago, we said goodbye to our youngest, and we're empty nesters, empty nesters. for the first time. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like we're newlyweds now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a fun journey. Okay, well, let's get down to sex and finances and all the good things. I would 
Well, one of the things I love most about you, Tammy, and I'm just getting to know you, Jeff, but this is really exciting, is that the content you produce is to teach the importance of emotional and sexual intimacy from a religious standpoint. And I've heard you both talk about the importance of financial intimacy. So in all of your experience in working with couples, as well as in your own family, what would you say are some of the biggest stumbling stumbling blocks or maybe some cultural myths that keep couples from experiencing the joy? of complete intimacy? Well, as far as a cultural myth, sometimes I hear members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believe that, you know, they've done things right. They've been obedient. They were married in the temple and they've had children. And so why aren't they happier? Or why isn't their sex life better? It seems like that that's something they just expect that it's going to be this way because they've done everything right. And I think it's wonderful to be obedient. I know it's wonderful that we're so blessed for our obedience, but obedience doesn't promise that we're not going to have hard times and it doesn't promise that everything's going to be smooth sailing. And so a lot of the work I do as a therapist in my private practice is helping really great couples come to accept the fact that we are created sexually and that we have sexual desire and to have relationship around that desire that's very healthy and to share that with one another and stop expecting that because they maybe have done things the right way, that things are supposed to just naturally happen. So that's a a big myth that I see often. And uh, I think the same thing holds true with finances. Basically for a couple to have that financial intimacy, the primary criterion is equal partnership, that, that the husband and the wife have equal access to the financial resources of the couple and that they work together to uh, to use those resources for important purposes in their marriage. And that doesn't come easy. <laughs> it doesn't come easy. And in every marriage, there's a saver and there's a spender. And you have to negotiate that and You should expect to have a few problems doing that. When you do have conflict, take a deep breath and and you work through things. And there's a whole bunch of financial tips and principles that help you do that. I'll just mention one. Basically, uh, to negotiate the saver and spender, it is the budget that one time you get together and you organize and you create your budget and you both commit to keep that. And then the saver, you know, as long as you're within the budget, it's okay. And the spender, as long as you're within the budget, you're okay. So that's just a, a thought there for financial intimacy. So good. I love that tip. So throwing it back to you, Tammy, what's your biggest piece of advice for couples who feel disconnected from each other or they feel like they just are struggling in general for where to start reconnecting after a long period of time of just feeling kind of Mm -hmm. disconnected? Well, I really believe the foundation of your relationship, a good relationship is going to be built in friendship. And so a lot of times my BYU students will say, well, I don't want to date my friends. And <laughs> I look at them and say, you're an idiot because, <laughs> because you want to marry your friend. You want to be, and friends are loyal to each other. Think of all the uh, aspects and qualities of a dear friendship. You're loyal, you're yourself, you're your real self showing up. You're able to share things that are hard to, to, to talk about. You keep each other's confidences. There's so many aspects. You have fun together, for heaven's sakes. There's so many aspects of friendship that if we could get more couples 
engaging friendly, then naturally the intimacy is going to fall into line with that. If you can have fun together and communicate emotionally with a lot of trust in one another, there's not going to be a lot that you're not going to be able to share together in the bedroom. So to me, the tip that I think is often overlooked is friendship. We have to be each other's friends. I agree. I would say along with that, a key financial tip would just be in your budget to have dating. Yeah. You know, a couple dating category that you spend every month and you do the things that bring you together as friends and as lovers. So fun. Well, that's one of the main principles that I teach is just the importance of staying connected through date night. And I, and you're right. The financial aspect of that is huge, but I always say, you know, dates don't have to be expensive or elaborate or far from home to be very, very effective. But it is nice that when you've both agreed to set aside a little bit of your financial resources, because it shows the priority you're placing on your togetherness and, and being together and having fun as friends. And it's worth it. I mean, it's so worth it when you, you're investing, we all invest in our children. Why don't we invest in each other? We need to do that more. Yeah, so good. Okay, so speaking of our children, because I know there is a large portion of my audience that are raising children, and I I just, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to ask you, and now I'm really excited because we're, we're going to bring Jeff into this conversation too, but I want to chat about your book, God Made Boys and Girls, and let's talk about what parents can do from very early stages to teach their children about intimacy in a marriage the way God intended it to be. So I love my book. Of course I do. But I feel, first of all, I have felt really spiritually guided in writing it and getting the illustrations done for it. And it, the process of it has been miraculous in many ways. And so I love the idea that we are created in the image and in the function of heavenly parents, boys, men, you, you work and you look like our heavenly father, girls, we work and we look like our heavenly mother, and that we have these attributes and bodies that come to earth now, now we're embodied, that the importance of embodiment is huge in teaching our children that now, you know, you lived before this life as a spirit, and this is your opportunity to have a body and to learn so much through your body. And one of the things I really believe is important with embodiment is to teach the idea of being comfortable with desire. Desire drives us. It's the desire to do things that gives us energy to move forward and progress. Sexual desire, by and large, is what kind of transitions us into adulthood because we want to be able to pair bond and be with someone and to be fully chosen and desired in a sexual way by someone. Those are of the natural progress of living on the earth and being embodied spirit. So not, I think teaching that this is desire is normal. Teaching the way that our bodies work sexually as children grow is so, so critically important. So they're not afraid of what it is they're feeling or they're not afraid to touch and learn about how they work. Those are all really important parts of transitioning into being married. And one of the things that I've done this summer, I've done is a summer sex ed series for parents on my Instagram account. And it's been 
wildly successful. Parents have come and learned so many wonderful things from guests I've invited to have conversations with and learning to communicate in different ages of childhood with their children and the principles that need to be communicated and understood in certain age-appropriate times. I think it's a wonderful resource for parents to utilize. I hope you'll utilize it. It's free on my Instagram account and utilize it to learn what it is you need to be doing at different stages of your child's life to help them feel comfortable with the idea that they're sexual and learn how to morally develop with that sexuality. Yeah, I definitely we will definitely direct people towards your Instagram account and to those resources because I think they're amazing. So, so, so well done. But I want to give people like a little bit of a tangible takeaway and a place to start because I think a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about teaching their kids about healthy sexuality because of maybe how they grew up, maybe with shame or secrecy around sexuality. So how can parents start to kind of overcome these patterns that they experienced maybe growing up to be able to teach and talk to their kids about a more healthy pattern of of development and sexuality so they're not passing on that shame and that guilt around. I I love this question, Monica, because it's really, I'm so passionate about the importance of parents being their children's sexual resource. They're not going to get sexual information you want them to have anywhere else. They need to know they can come to you. And so to me, some of the most important things, if you're in the early stages with little children, start with those babies, having conversations as you're holding this baby about what menstruation looks like or what it means to have an erection or all of that, because what's happening, this baby doesn't understand anything, but the baby is being nurtured and loved. But what's happening is you are hearing yourself talk about this. And as you hear yourself talk about it, you can stop and think, wow, I really like that. Or that didn't come out as well. Let me practice again. Keep practicing. If your children are older, Go in your bathroom and practice in front of a mirror and practice as you watch your face, be able to say words that maybe you're not comfortable saying, observe your face. Because if your children at any time feel like the questions they have or what it is you're sharing with them is causing you discomfort, they won't want to come back because children, believe it or not, they don't like to make us feel uncomfortable. And so being able to really talk naturally with yourself as you watch your face in the mirror is critically important so that when you come and you talk to them, you're able to have a face that feels and looks more natural to them. That will be inducive for more conversations. I really think it's important as much as we can. I know everyone's busy and we're all working hard to provide for our families, but the more we can be at the crossroads of our children's lives as they're leaving the home and coming back into the home, that these are critical moments that we can have such powerful conversations, or we can just sit there and listen as they process what's happened. If they're dating, be up when they get home and just sit and listen to them talk. You'll find out so much information. And especially as teenagers, a lot of times you don't need to be telling them anything just knowing that you're there to listen and support. And if they do have questions, you can answer those questions as best as you can. If you don't know the answer to something, I really believe this is important. Your children need to know they can come to you and get accurate, honest information. 
So if you're not sure what it is they're asking about, I encourage you to let them know, you know, I'm not 100% sure what that means, but I'm going to look it up. You don't need to look it up. Let me look that up and we'll come back and we'll talk about this later. And I've had to do that a few times with my children when they would come home with slang terminology through the years that I thought, I'm not really sure what that means, but I'll look it up and we'll talk about it later. Those are just a few things I think practicing when they're little, practicing in front of the mirror and really having a firm belief, part of your own why and testimony kind of 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 the importance of what it is you're doing will empower you to do this most important work. They, your children need you to be the sexual resource you never had. So Tammy is an expert about this and she's totally comfortable talking about it. And I have not been, and she has been uh, trying to hurt me being able to do this. And let me just share, I was just blown away. Our youngest, my youngest child was seven. He asked me, what what have I talked to him about sex so far? And I said, nothing. I'm waiting for the day before he gets married and I'll talk to him about it. (laughs) But she says, no, you know, we've got to do this. And so we we made an arrangement for my son, Seth. He's seven. Tammy told and we've got something really, really special for you. We arranged a time when there was no, no one else in the home. We just sat down and had such a sweet conversation with him. And Tammy was just so natural. And I think one of the things is if you can get a, a mother and a father together with a young child in a safe environment where it just seems so, and wow, it was such a, a neat experience. And the, what was especially, that was fairly soon after we got married. And so what was neat is that a few months after we had that conversation with his son, that it was his maturation clinic in sixth grade. And I was home, so I was able to go with him to that. And It was amazing how immature so many of the children, they were not handling this information at all in a a mature way. And I was surprised how few parents actually showed up. But when we left the school, Seth, we're walking, I'll try not to cry, it's so sweet to me, but we were walking across the parking lot to get to the car and he reached over and he grabbed my hand and he said, mom, that's the first time he ever called me mom. Mom, thank you so much. If I had not had that conversation before today, I would have been blown away, just like all those other kids were. And so that was, it's just a tear, it's a tearjerker because it meant so much that he's calling me mom. And that really, I did, I, I created an environment that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been in his life. And that's what our children need is for us to be in their lives. Yes, I love that. So that's kind of my next question, because you've raised all these kids together and it's actually you came together, you know, when they were already in different stages. So that was my like, how do you get your spouse on board? If maybe your spouse is like really, really shy about that or really doesn't want to talk about that or, you know, how do you get on the same page about what to share and when to share it and how to share it with a spouse who may have different ideas or views about it? Well, I can just speak for myself, and that was being willing together. And I could take, I could, I easily let Tammy take the lead on it, but I'm there and can show the support, and then naturally leads to other things later on. Well, and I, I think there are typically in most relationships, one spouse 
will find it a little more natural or easy to talk about this subject than the other. So let the one that feels more comfortable talking about it take the lead. But having the other person there, I think it's so important. It's interesting to me, the research shows that parents teaching the sexuality, about 92% of the time, it's the mother alone that's teaching the children about sexuality. And most of the conversation is around safety. Never is it talking about pleasure. Never do they bring up pleasure. And I think we're really shortchanging ourselves and we're shortchanging our children for their experience. If we don't come on board together as a couple, one of you might feel more comfortable than the other. So let them take the lead, but still be there as a backup and a support. And not only talk about sexual safety, which is important, but also talk about how puberty, what happens in puberty when we trans our bodies change from being a baby to an adult. And what does that look like? What physiology is going on and what emotionally is going to be transitioning as we make those changes as well. And that you're going to start having feelings of attraction and sexual desire. And those are good feelings and they're normal feelings and there's nothing to be afraid of. You can come and I'm here for you. We can process whatever it is you're wondering about. Yeah, that's so good. And that's one of the focuses in your book that I really liked where you talked about how, you know, we're created to feel a different, like, you know, when you eat a popsicle or, you know, all these different things that we can enjoy with our bodies. I really, really like that because I think that Mm -hmm. often gets left out of the whole maturation and sex education process. Yes. And, and parents are afraid mostly to talk about the pleasure part of sex because they are afraid if they talk about it, then their children are going to go experiment and see what happens. And that is actually false. There's no research to support that. The research actually shows that if you're talking about this and explaining what's going to happen and there's pleasure involved, that your, your child's sexual debut is delayed. And they won't actually become sexually involved as early as those children who don't understand that pleasure is also a part of it. And I think parents can be a good example that it is pleasurable Mm -hmm. within marriage. They can see how excited the mother and father are to be together and to give each other a big hug and kiss. Especially when they're a little bit older, they can tell whether there's some sort of a spark between the mom and the dad. And I think it's very powerful when they see that there is a spark. Certainly being married to Tammy, it's been fun to have a lot of sparks. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, Monica, so much of what you do is all about this. I mean, really, you do so much work and I love it on keeping the sizzle in your relationship and all of that. And I think that's so important. And what we know is that how we model marriage is the best predictor of how our children are going to do marriage. And so you modeling that energy and the friendship and the vitality within your relationship is a good indicator that they are also going to be having relationships in their futures that are similar to yours. And I have to throw in that the financial intimacy, modeling those Mm -hmm. financial behaviors as a husband and wife, they should see you talking about money and deciding to make choices. See, what do you use to make a decision whether you buy this or whether you don't? And so often, we're so secretive about our finances. I've, I teach lots and lots of BYU students, and a lot of them are 
clueless about finances because their parents have done such a good job of being wise financially, but keeping it from the children. They they haven't never seen it before. And I think that's the case with sexual. We need to talk more about sex. We need to talk more about finances with our kids. That's so interesting because that really is two things that kind of happen behind closed doors. A lot of times we don't think about involving the children and I actually have a, so I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because it is so important to, you know, show our kids like what it's like to make a financial decision, you know, and like, maybe if you disagree on a financial decision, how you might come to a resolution that they can see, you know, mommy and daddy don't always have the same opinions or ideas about how to spend money, but see how they navigate that and they come to a resolution. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important, but I actually had an experience really recently where we got some kind of intel from from some parents that are friends of ours about how they were a little bit concerned about what I did as far as like sharing pictures of me and my husband kissing on Instagram and things like that. And so they were like, you know, you might be embarrassing your kids. And I kind of was like, I got really worried. I was like, oh no, like, I don't want to embarrass my kids. I just want to be a good example, right? So I asked him, I was like, well, the only way to find out is to ask them. So I went to my Mm -hmm. oldest and I asked him, I said, does it embarrass you when I post pictures of dad and I kissing, you know, on Instagram and things like that? And he actually, the answer, his answer blew me away. And I was so grateful, but he said, no, he said, I'm so glad you guys kissed. It gives me something to look forward to. And I just went, oh, (laughs) that's awesome. I I mean, teenagers are, you know, they love to roll their eyes and they love to just get a room and be silly like that. Right. But inside they actually deep down love to see their parents connecting and being affectionate and intimate with each other, because it's exciting to see that they feel, you know, safe and and like, you know, in a good environment of love. And then they, they recognize that like someday I'll have that, you know, right. It provides a real sense of security to children to see that their parents each other. Yeah. And I think to your point too, Jeff, I think it really provides a good sense of reality for their kids to see them talk about money and make big money decisions, right? Like you want to show them all facets of marriage. It's not all rainbows and butterflies all the time, but it's not all really difficult, hard times all the time either. It's a good blend of both. And so when they grow up and get married and find their spouse, they can expect to have disagreements about things and they can expect to be giddy and kiss in the pantry. I mean, they can expect all of things <laughs> blended together, right? What would be your best advice for parents in the early stages of teaching children about sex and intimacy, even finances? Well, what's, what's your best advice for like early childhood education on this topic? To do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, like I kind of mentioned before, if they're really young, they don't really understand what you're saying. They just feel your love. But what you're, what's happening is you're becoming more comfortable with these types of conversations, which I think you need to become more comfortable. So, so practice, do them watching yourself in the mirror or, or talking about body parts with correct terminology. Um, Learn how your body works. If you're not sure how your body works or how your spouse's body works, then find out so that you can be teaching them accurate information, but just do it. Don't put it on hold, do it. You'll thank yourself and your children will thank you forever. For generations, they will thank you because you have the courage 
to do this important work. With sexuality, if you do this, if you do exactly what Cammy said, you may always kind of feel uncomfortable talking about sex because of the way that you brought up. But if you look in front of the mirror and you, you act comfortable talking about it, that's what will be natural for your kids. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you and your parents and your grandparents were totally uncomfortable talking about sex, but you can be that person that changes it right. for your children and grandchildren. They can see and claim the joy of wonderful sexual relationship. Mm, so good. What about finances? So with, with finances, my tip is to let children have access to money as early as possible and let them make mistakes with the money. If you give your four-year-old $3 and they can make a choice, they're going to make bad choices. And with young children, they'll make $3 mistakes, learn from those $3 mistakes, and they'll learn to be good with money. If you don't let them make mistakes, don't get let them have money, teenagers $100 mistakes, or they'll be young adults and make $10,000 mistakes. So that would be advice, I would say. Such good advice. That is such good advice. I love that so much. So how about, what's your advice around keeping the conversation going with teens and young adults, even though it feels a little more uncomfortable? Like I noticed, you know, as my kids are, are maturing more, I think it's more important to have those conversations, but it does get a little more uncomfortable. For sure. I think there are a lot of things that you see on the news or if something is happening in a movie, instead of saying, oh, hurry and skip over this part, maybe you could pause that part and mm -hmm. talk about what's happening and how are you feeling about it and what is this doing for me? You can leave books around. This is one thing <laughs> I love doing is have books, you know, that are appropriate for that age and just have them sitting around. And it's surprising how much they'll read that and That's learn true. a lot. Like I say, be at the crossroads too, especially with dating situations or being out hanging with friends. So many of my really powerful sexual conversations I've had with my own children in our home have come after dates, mm -hmm. after they've come home from being with friends. And it's midnight, 1230, and I'm waiting up for them. And they, you know, will just talk a little bit. And I can always, I just have these, I don't know what they are sex weren't sex thoughts or whatever <laughs> predictors but I know when they've kissed or when they've been kissing <laughs> I can feel that I think I feel their energy from that and so when they come home and I can feel that way I just listen to what's been happening and pretty soon they're telling me all about their kissing and you know especially for my boys what I've tried to help them understand which I think is so important too what happened to your body while you were kissing can you tell me what was happening to your body? And of course they say, well, you know, mom. And I says, I know, I know. I want to make sure you know, and you can put language to it. What was happening with your body? And, you know, they talked about their nipples getting harder, their penis gets hard, and then they get an erection and then they get embarrassed and don't know what to do. And we normalize all of that. And then I always make sure to let them know, well, guess what's probably happening to this young girl while you're kissing her? More often than not, she has no idea what's happening to you, and she has no idea what's happening to herself. And so if you have that information, you recognize you're becoming sexually aroused. And if you want to choose to be sexual and wait to be sexually active until you're married, you need to be aware of that arousal. And be aware that when you are feeling that way, 
it's time for you to step back and do something else. It, helping children, uh, teenagers especially, understand arousal, that it's normal, and what to do with it, I think is essential. Oh, that's such good advice. I love that so much. I could just share, uh, uh, we have a child who's going to be getting married soon. And it came up, you know, what are your boundaries that you have? And it, it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't, it was very surprising because what he came back with is our boundaries are that when we kiss, we stop kissing when we get aroused. So, so that I thought that was, that was Isn't great. Isn't that great? Because you're becoming aware. And it might be that that day, the arousal came from just holding hands. <laughs> Or that moment that the arousal came from just holding hands. Or it might be that you were really getting into the main act. They're both okay. It's all good. But when you recognize that you're getting aroused, and especially when you recognize you don't want to stop because it feels so good, that is exactly the best time to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that you're aroused and it's feeling good is a good thing. It's right. a normal thing. Right. Yes. And it's just, you've got to choose to channel that and, and take some actions so, uh, so that you can enjoy that while you're married. Yeah. You know, I think that having conversations like that with teenagers and young adults, especially going into marriage, is such a great way to signal this or, or kind of, I guess, maybe debunk this challenge that I think a lot of us, you know, we're taught no, 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 and then go, 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 right? And so it's like so hard when you're like, sex is bad, it's dangerous, don't do it. And then all of a sudden you're supposed right. to. Instead, we talk about like, it's so wonderful, it's so magical. And when we're married, we get to experience all of these feelings with each other. And so it's not ever bad. It's just, there's a right time and place to be able to fully experience all of it. Yes, and along with that, the idea that understanding the law of chastity as being a condition of your heart and your brain and mind, understanding where you're you're at with your arousal and what you're cognitively going to choose to do is much better for people to understand than this list of, well, don't ever lie down together or don't ever French kiss or don't whatever it is. I think the law of chastity, and this is how I teach it, is when you understand that you're becoming sexually aroused and you feel like you really don't want to stop, it's time to step back. And you also need to tap into what it is your partner's feeling because it's not all about you. It is also gauging where are you at right now? Are you comfortable with the way that we're expressing affection for each other. If not, we need to create a new plan of action. Oh, that's important all the way through marriage. <laughs> right, right, that's right. Very, I was just going to say that extends into marriage. And a lot of chastity really can include that your arousal, the reason that you're aroused in marriage is to bond with your spouse. I mean, that's, and to share that pleasure together. And, you know, just, we have to think about it in those terms. And, Tammy's been just so good to help me understand those. Yeah. Oh, this has been fantastic. And I could probably keep your hair all day, but I know that there are other responsibilities waiting for you. So let's do this. We'll have another little segment that will be inside of the vault where people can get a little bit more with Jeff and Tammy. But for now, Tammy Mm -hmm. and Jeff, why don't you tell us the best place 
to finally connect with you, to get more resources on teaching your kids and experiencing healthy sexuality within marriage and all the good things. Okay, for me, I teach in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. So if you're interested in having yourself or your children take a class from me. That's a great way to find me. I have on Instagram, my account is Tammy underscore Hill underscore LMFT. That stands for Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. You can find everything about me there. I have a website, TammyHill.com. And I have a podcast, the Live Your Wife podcast that's on Apple and Spotify. Excellent. How about mm-hmm. you? I also teach at BYU. You can take my class. I am not into Instagram as much, but I do have some things on Instagram. My Instagram is joyfully within your means is the name of my Instagram. If you search BYU devotionals, I gave a a 30 minute devotional that has all my best stuff in one place. And it, I think it's also called the joyfully within your means. And so just search on BYU devotionals and my name, E Jeffrey Hill, and, and you can find that. And it is good. It's such a practical It's a great devotional. Perfect. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. So thank you guys so, so, so much. Thank you, Monica. I absolutely loved that chat with Jeff and Tammy Hill. They are both so amazing and I love learning from them. And I think the bottom line, most important message of this whole episode is to talk to your kids about the things that are important, such as their sexuality and money matters. Even if it's not comfortable or it doesn't come naturally, Take some time to understand your own thoughts around these issues to get comfortable speaking about them with your kids because I don't think there's anything more important that you can do for them than to become a trusted resource for them because nobody can teach them as well as you can. It is so worth the effort. So in the show notes, I've listed for you Tammy's best resources on teaching your kids about healthy sexuality, as well as Jeff's BYU devotional on living joyfully within your means. So please take advantage of those two resources. And as always, if you have questions about anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me because if I don't have the answers, I will be happy to direct you to the best resources for whatever it is that you're looking for, especially when it comes to marriage and intimacy. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week. So until then, happy marriaging. If you had as much fun as we did just now, please be sure to go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review, which helps others to find the show. You can also share your favorite episodes on social media. And if you want more, head over to onthebrightersideofmarriage.com and download a copy of my five things I do every day to keep my marriage sizzling hot. And until next time, have courage, be kind, and stay on the brighter side.